the topic today is one of those moments when, when, when God, this is for me. This, this topic today is for me. There, there are moments when, when I feel like God has given me you know, a message to share, and, and I love to create and write, and I just go with it. And it's, you know, oh, 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 oh I, I like that, God, and I'm going to talk about this illustration, and this, and I'm going to use this, and he, I need you to get this. So, yeah, I'm going to get it, and, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write. I'm, I like this story and this story. No, I need you to, and then, and then it's like, where he just kind of grabs me by the face and says, I need you to get it, Alex. And, and this, is, this is one of those moments for me. So Jesus is, is sharing the Sermon on the Mount. It's the beginning of his ministry. And, and he has a large crowd of people that have followed him now because he's been doing these miracles, showing people that he's interested in them, that he cares about them, that he's compassionate. So he has this large crowd following him. And he starts by painting this spiritual spectrum and says, wherever you're at on the spectrum, it's good news for you because God's kingdom is available to you. And then he says, you're sold in light, you're valuable, you are worthwhile, you add something very special to the world and the kingdom of God. And he says, your righteousness is going to surpass all the other religious leaders of the day who are just in it for the rules. And then he's going to move on to the guts of what a life with God really looks like. And what I want to do before we get into that is, is give you a lens, because I want to give you a lens to kind of look at the Sermon on the Mount through, because I think our tendency in our Western modern minds is to treat this like a, like, like a list, like a, 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 a check down of do's and don'ts, things to memorize so that we're in a given situation. We can think through, okay, Jesus said I should do this, so I'm going to do this. But I don't think that that is Jesus' point in here. I don't think Jesus is prescribing actions nearly as much as he's describing, describing what a proper heart will produce in life. In other words, he's not trying to tell you, do this and this and this and this and this. He's not prescribing that, P-R-E. He's simply saying, if your heart is right, this is what's going to flow outward. If you get it, your life is going to look like this. So I have <coughs> a five-year-old son named Spencer. And, and someday I like to believe that he or Elijah, my, my two-year-old, are, are going to come to me when they're in their teen years and, and, and ask me about girls and say, Dad, how will I know when I'm in love? And Spencer's well on his way. Okay, because, because I can't tell you how many times, it's going to be one of your daughters, um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had a parent come up to me when I pick him up from preschool, from Rise and Shine Preschool, and say, are you Spencer's dad? And I know what's coming. My daughter talks about him nonstop. It's like they have a little boyfriend-girlfriend thing going on. Parent after parent says that. And then I look down at Spencer, and he looks up at me and says, Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> That's my son, Spencer. And, and uh, someday he's going to say, Dad, what, what's, what's, how will I know when I'm in love? And I'm going to say, Well, 
when you when you start thinking about the girl nonstop, you know, two, three times a minute, when you start ditching your friends that have been there for you your whole life to go to the movies with this girl you just met, when you start spending your money and, you know, writing poetry and calling nonstop and, and thinking of, of ways that, you, you know, you'll accidentally bump into her, that's when you'll probably know that, that, you're, that you're falling in love. And, and he's going to say, okay, and he'll leave. And then, like, you know, a, a month later, I'll, I'll hear his phone going off. And, and, you know, two, three times a minute his phone goes off. And I'll say, what's with the, the, with the alarm on your phone, Spencer? And he'll say, well, I want to be in love. And, and I set this phone to remind me uh, to think about her. <laughs> or, you know, this one said, write poetry. And this one said, ditch my friends to go to the... You got to make yourself a reminder. Yeah, because I want to be in love. And that's what you told me all know when I'm... You missed it, kid. Because you're not going to have to set yourself reminders. It's going to naturally happen. And I think it's the same kind of thing when we look at the Sermon on the Mount. It can seem kind of burdensome. But I think what Jesus is saying is, if you get it, this is what your life is going to look like. So what is it that we need to get? What do we need to get in order to naturally live a kingdom of God, Sermon on the Mount kind of life? Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12. And if you need a Bible, if you forgot, if you forgot yours or if you don't have one with you, uh, that's not what I meant to say. If you forgot yours, thus not having one with you, or if you don't own a Bible, we have some Bibles in the back corner. Feel free to grab one of those. You can keep it if you want. Um, I'm going to start <coughs> with verse 28. Matthew or Mark Mark 12:28 Mark 12:28 One of the teachers of the law asked Jesus Of all the commandments which is the most important The most important one answered Jesus is this Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So Jesus says the most important thing or things are to love God and to love people. Then, well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one. There is no one but him to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw, and this is a crucial phrase here, when Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So something in that answer, love God and love people, is very close to the heart of the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus once said that if you love God and you love people, all of Scripture itself will simply fall into place. Everything is built, everything you can know about life with God is built around loving God 
and loving people. Why is that? I'm going I'm to just use the screen here. I'm going to cheat and just use the screen and look at the book of Genesis. <coughs> Genesis chapter 1, first chapter in the Bible. Then God said, this is when God did the creating. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he was created. Very important point that Genesis 1.26 is trying to drive home here. And that is people are made in the image of God. Then down in Psalm 8 we see this, which is, which is a statement that can make you very uncomfortable. And some of the translations even like try to lessen this. But it's there. You made them, a talking about people, you made people a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. So you and I are somehow made in the very image of God. We bear God's likeness. So really the great commandment Love God and love people who bear His image. And if we can get those two things down pat, everything Jesus teaches will simply fall into place. Let me turn to to Matthew chapter 5 now. And we'll read our text for today and then talk through how that fits. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone says, You fool, is in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Let's start with the first first of the three examples Jesus seems to give us here. You've heard it said long ago, do not murder. But I'm telling you that if you're angry with your brother, same idea. Murder equals judgment. Anger equals judgment. Jesus seems to actually put anger with your brother in the same arena as murder. He levels the playing field. And that seems very, very extreme. How could he do that? Why would right out of the gates... Jesus makes such a ridiculous-sounding statement like, think about murder, which is the thing that we all typically put at the front of the line in terms of bad thing you can do. I'm telling you, anger, same ballpark. He levels the playing field. Why is that? It all goes back to the image of God. Think about it like this. If, If God were to give you a gift, what, what if God were to paint a picture, a portrait of himself, and he pulls out the brushes and the paints, and, and he paints this picture 
that is a portrait of God and says, here, I want you to have this portrait of me. It's still my possession, but I'm giving it to you. And you looked at it, and it is just stunning because it contains all the beauty, all the power, all the majesty, all the grace, all the perfection, all the holiness of the God of the universe. (coughs) And we now have it in our possession. How would you treat that portrait? I mean, if, if it really happened, that would be our prized possession. We would hang it in a place and, 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 and probably protect it with glass covering and no one's allowed near it and there's no throwing balls in the room where the portrait is and, 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 and we would gaze upon it and, and just be reminded continually of, of the beauty and power and majesty of God. You know what I hate? Vandalism. I am, I, I, it's a pet peeve of mine to think that, that somebody would take it upon themselves to just destroy somebody else's property. Drives me nuts to hear about people that just put bricks through windows for the sake of it. Or, you know, spray painting or whatever. Just, just go and ruin something for the sake of ruining it. Let's say that somebody decides to desecrate, to destroy their portrait of the living God or to go to somebody else's house and rip or pour a big black bucket of paint on a portrait of the living God and now you have to stand before God and they have to give an account how dare you desecrate my portrait I gave this to you as a gift and you have desecrated it and we would be shocked and appalled at that and say, wow, they are, they are worthy of death. They took God's possession and they ripped it apart. They desecrated it. But we do that all the time because we are made in the image of God. And maybe for us, all we did was take a pencil and stab it through the portrait. We didn't completely destroy it. But is there really that big of a difference? Because we dare vandalize the image of God that he has given us through our actions. And when you murder someone, you are completely looking past their portrait, their image of God. You're not seeing it. You're lessening it. You're cheapening it. You're killing it. Or when you're angry with someone, you're completely looking past God in that person. You're completely looking past the picture of God in yourself and how you represent him. Both acts, anger and murder, are vandalism of the image of God that every human being bears. They are moments when we lessen and overlook the image of God, and we all do it. And we all stand before God having vandalized the portrait that he has given to each of us. Jesus moves on. And he says, if you you say to your brother, Raka, which means idiot or empty head, you have to stand before the Sanhedrin, which was basically the, uh, the, the, the churchy court of the day, the religious court. But if you call somebody a fool, 
you're in danger of the fire of hell. You have really missed the point. You are far, far from the kingdom of God. If you were to look at somebody and say, you idiot or you fool. Now, how many of us here have called somebody an idiot? Even if it's just in our mind. Yeah, be honest, all of us. In fact, you know, you know what I've heard a lot is, is, man, Tiger Woods, what a pig. Okay, we say that about people. I say that about people. We're all guilty of that. And when we do that, we miss it. We're missing the kingdom of God. Now, I titled this, I, I titled this, this, this sermon today, uh, Pylons in the U-Scan Isle. Okay? You guys know that the U-Scan Isle is sacred for me, right? The U-Scan Isle, where you can avoid social interaction and get your groceries. And then we all have those days when we just want to go get three things and, and, and not talk to anybody and in and out. And here's the way it should go, okay? I got my three things. Boop, boop, boop. Swipe the card, punch the four numbers of the pin. The longest it should take is when you're waiting for the transaction to be approved. Get the receipt, put it in the bag, take the bag, go. 35 seconds max. They still haven't installed my trap doors, but it's coming. I'm on the road. And, and I'm headed to Chipotle in Strongsville. And, and I, I want my lunch. And, and they have placed a pylon in the road for construction that hasn't taken place yet. You know what I'm talking about? When there's nobody working, there's no damage to the road. They just put the barrel there. They put the pylon right there to annoy you. And, and I'm very irritated at that pylon because it's unnecessary. There's nothing going on. It is just an obstacle to keep me from getting on with, with my very important task. I've got to get to my burrito. I hate those cones. I'm at the U-Scan aisle. And the person in front of me seems to have never been there before. And they are... They are they are trying to find the produce lookup. Or they're just staring at the screen and nothing's happening. Or they're trying to pay in, they're trying to stuff 23 $1 bills, which there shouldn't even be a, a, a dollar bill insert at the U-Scan aisle. And I think to myself, you idiot. At that moment, I have reduced the image of God in that person to a pylon. The image of the living, all-powerful, almighty God has been completely overlooked, and I have reduced them to nothing more than a pylon. When we call someone an idiot, when we call someone a fool, we have so missed the kingdom of God because in doing so, we have completely looked past God's image in that human being. And for Jesus, if you get it, if you get that every human being bears the likeness of God, it's simply unthinkable. That's why he goes on to say, if you have someone that has something against you, 
Move quickly to make amends because that will naturally happen. Because if you see people like Jesus sees people, if you realize that people have the image of God and are made in his likeness, then to think that, that, that there's some kind of conflict will drive you nuts. If you love somebody as, an, as, as a creation bearing the image of God, then any kind of conflict is something that would naturally drive us nuts and we will want to overcome that conflict. So Jesus starts out his Sermon on the Mount with a call for all of us to see the image of God in people. And we are told that if, we, if we're angry with somebody without some kind of a godly cause, if we reduce the image of God or overlook it by calling somebody a fool or an idiot, or if somebody can have a problem with us and it doesn't even affect us and we just ignore it, then we have completely, we are far from the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, everyone is valued as the very image of God. So we want to be generous followers of Jesus. We want to go into our community, into the world around us, and, and bless people around us and, and, and um, join God in his work around us and give generously. That will naturally happen when we get to the point, when I get to the point where I can look at every person I come into contact with as having the image of the living God. And when I can look at myself as bearing God's image and represent God as an image bearer, and when I can look at someone else and treat them like they bear the image of God, and better yet, when I can look at someone else and help them realize that they bear the image of God, that great things will naturally happen just as a result of those things. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a movement where people are valued as image of God-bearing human beings and where we help each other bring out that in each other? That's the kind of thing that I want to give my life to. And that's the kind of thing that will change the world. And I think that that's the kind of thing that God is calling us to. So my challenge for you, what I'm going to do, here's my application. I'm going to go places, and I'm going to sit. We're talking about the IX Indoor Amusement Park this morning. There's some interesting folks hanging out at the IX Center. I'm going to go to places and sit and say, God, I'm not getting up until you show me. Show me your image. Help me to come to the point when the first thing I see no matter who I run into, in my worst enemy, in my best friend, and people I don't even know, the first thing I see is you and your image. And when I can get there, all of those things will fall into place, and I will be very, very close to the kingdom of God and you as well. Let's pray. Father, Work in our hearts to see people as you see them. It's an amazing thing to, it's hard for, for me to grasp that you have made me in your own image. That somehow 
I bear the image of the living God. Help me to make that shine and to erase the parts that aren't your image. Help me to see, help us to see the image of God in others. May I never reduce a person to a pylon again. And then help us go even beyond that and, and help us to show others that they bear that image so that they can see themselves for who they really are, people created in your image who are loved deeply by you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.